you know, you see the Texas evening over here. It's quite a wintry sky behind me. Um, and it's that time of year, you know, when people, certainly where I come from, this is something uh, I find Americans find hard to understand um, about British people is that we have this uh, obsession about, you know, particularly at Christmas, we have uh, ghost stories. It's something we always did in the winter. And I remember as a child, New Year, going to my grandparents' house, and they lived in the country. And uh, my grandpa would tell these incredible stories. And it was based on local folklore. Now, my grandmother, um, she, she was a farmer's daughter. They had a lot of old folklore, and uh, quite interesting, because uh, in her parents' case, my great-grandparents, they used to have a, a lot of Roma uh, people, travellers would come, and some Scottish tinkers, which are similar, they're similar lifestyle, but, you know, genetically different from the Roma, they're not the same people. Um, the tinkers <coughs> are uh, an interesting bunch in themselves, let's talk about them. They are like... Uh, they're like the descendants of the original people who lived in those countries before the arrival of the Celts and then, of course, the, the uh, Normans. Uh, and, of course, the Vikings in between. So, basically, it would be the Celts first. Celts came and settled those lands. And uh, the original inhabitants who lived in these places tended to keep to themselves. And, basically, that's uh, a lot to do with fairy folklore, where fairy folklore comes from. Because they generally lived apart from the people, the Celts, the original settlers. And for a long time they were left alone. It was a big country, there was lots of woodland, it was practically jungle. For this parts of Scotland until um, the 18th century, General Wade and people like that uh, found that they had to build roads and find ways into the highlands so they could, uh, they could subdue the highlanders. And, and that showed you the um, the raw nature of it, how how difficult it was. In fact, uh, if you if you ever go to Aberfoyle in Scotland, there's a there's a great place there, which is the Queen Elizabeth Forest Park. And what's interesting about that is that through the through the park, through the middle of the park, there is actually a drover's trail, and that drover's trail uh, would have been the way that people like Rob Roy and I mean, as late as that, we're into the 1700s here. They had a way through the glens and the forest that was safe to travel and gave them relative amount of cover. And uh, basically, if you stole someone's sheep, that's the way you would go. <laughs> so, so there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, rustlers and people like that. Um, in general, villains like Rob Roy. Uh, I'm allowed to say that because he's my ancestor, so I'm allowed to call him a villain. Point is, though. Um, so, so you see that there is a very rural, almost uh, natural element to a lot of it. Certainly possible back then, in those past centuries, for people to exist. And in fact, if you if you look at the Reverend Kirk, who was the minister of Aberfoyle, anyway, he he was uh, the minister back then, and he he was uh, quite involved in uh, trying to put a case for saving people who might have been accused as witches because he was shown that it was an older belief system that was not a problem 
and quite even quite compatible with Christianity. His book of the time, which became the premier so is the premier source for all fairy literature in the world. And he would talk about the local place there, the, the Hill of Dune. Well oddly enough he died. He died they found him in a fairy ring. You know, some people say he was a talker of the magic mushroom. So <laughs> and so that says a lot but but fairies, he he talked about them as if they were an actual uh, existing bunch of people, and talks about their history and how they built the ancient earthworks um, that you can see in the mountains to this day, and even the hill of Dune itself has uh, standing stones and things like that. And you know what? There could be some truth in it. They, they probably were the original people, original inhabitants, who were very small and uh, tended to live in the forest. We come in season to work on the farms. And even in, as I say, my grandmother's time, she recalled Scottish tinkers coming to the farm. They would arrive at you know, a time when the crops were needing gathered in. On our parents' farm, and uh, they they would live there, and uh, so did some Roma. Some Roma would come also. As a young child, she she ran with the Roma and played with them when they would come in season, and made many great friends, and uh, learned a lot about not just things that had been handed down to her for uh, an understanding of plants and the properties, and uh, so, and things that we would, uh, today some people would call Wicca or witchcraft, it's folklore. Uh, a lot of it is just natural, how people survived, <laughs> knowing the knowing the nature of plants, it was how to cure yourself and uh, feed yourself. You want to know if that thing is safe to eat or whether it's going to poison you or and whether it's going to help you if you rub it on your skin. She, so my grandmother had an incredible amount of uh, knowledge like this. And, uh, of course, in Scotland we have the additional word we call old ladies with a lot of knowledge. We call them spaywives. And I guess she was. Probably qualifying as a spaywife. Is that a cult? I don't think so. Now, why am I talking about this? When you can go to places like the Hill of Dune, then you can see some really curious place. Um, and to go there and basically commune, I mean, even the trees, you know, we're talking about very, very, if you got to remember the Celts found spirits and rivers, they had, uh, you know, uh, good and bad, they had, uh, there was all kinds of bad things like Kelpies, but, you know, they, they saw animals, trees, rocks, Water, lakes, they find all kinds of spirits in that. They're very spiritual people. And this somehow incorp was incorporated into basic belief and even Christianity in the UK. Even to this day, you go to a church and if it's an old enough place, you might look into the rafters or on the wall and see a carving of the green man, a very pagan symbol. I, I have a green man downstairs. I... I purchased not too long ago, and I, I plan to hang it on the wall outside for my garden. I see it as uh, 
like the true meaning of pagan in that the Pagani where people were on the land, you know, landed people, they were, because, uh, you know, what, what, what is it we, we've come to associate as, uh, you know, cultish or whatever, like heathen and pagan are actually quite normal words. It just means country dweller, people who lived in the country in different ways, older ways. And I could imagine maybe going back a couple of centuries, you know, the people in the cities would probably look down on people. They thought they were so... It's the same as it's any different from today where they, they think they're so sophisticated. They will look down on people who are less sophisticated and, and just more earthy types. Um, And, you know, I, I see it like uh, today we, you know, we're moving backwards. City dwellers who, who want to... We want to embrace the old ways and rediscover them. Sadly, we've we've lost a lot of them, and and with every elderly person who passes on, we lose even more. I mean, uh, so I was telling about my grandfather at the start of this and how he would gather us all around New Year, and he would begin to tell incredible ghost stories, which no one wrote down, unfortunately. This is the part of the something that the Scots and the Irish share, and it's called the Oral Testimony. To have oral testimony of uh, things from past centuries, which are literally handed down and within families, it could be all kinds of things, from genealogy to actual ghost stories. And uh, this is this is real. Um, and my grandfather, unfortunately. Uh, as I say, no one recorded them or wrote them down. So we just don't know. We can't remember. I have vague memories of some of it. And I've racked my brain at times, you know. I, I've written some short stories in the past and even plays. I've racked my brains trying to, you know, trying to just remember some of it. Um, some of the ghost stories. So I can remember certainly um, uh, one a very, very uh, scary place. It's called, it's near Slamanen. And uh, there was a there was a hanging tree there. Uh, this this is real. So this is a this is a a folklore issue. Something that's come down from centuries ago. And the, you know, there's a tribal memory of it, this tree where the the bad guys would be taken and hung for whatever reason. And this this was on a private road, which was uh, which a toll road. You had to pay a toll to get down that road. The reason I can I can say that story is probably true is that my my grandfather's family owned that owned the toll house they owned the toll house on the road. He used to tell this terrible story about this guy, and I, I, unfortunately I can't remember it. So there was this little bridge, uh, and basically there was this guy who was uh, I think was he beheaded? I think he might have been. And he would he would appear there and he would do all kinds of nasty stuff and my only memory of it was as a kid in the back of my dad's car we were going across that bridge and it was you got to see that this is like almost like a it's like a moor you're looking at there's some trees to the left if memory serves as a little little hump bridge and this over here was just fields like moorland and picture this if you will it, it was a misty misty evening. And I was a kid looking at the back, and I was petrified. I mean, that's the kind of... I mean, this isn't just this isn't just a ghost story. This is something that I'm looking there, and, you know, there's my dad saying, oh, this is... That, that there was probably where the hanging tree was, you know. That doesn't add to my confidence about 
you know things uh, so we it's a lot of places like that so we tell my so that's just an instance of one of the stories uh, there was many stories like that I was just uh, relating them to someone recently and there was another one about an actual demon appearing and being seen in the locality it's like uh, so all kinds of mad stories like this you know that actually existed and local folklore but you know you got to remember that as you know a place like scotland is a very earthly place where you can go into the hills central west central scotland and you can see these things i mean you just go outside the cities a few miles and you will find all kinds of things like uh well okay you know everyone talks about the stone rings they talk about stonehenge and a fascinating place in places like orkney where the ring circles but but sometimes you just find a big enormous standing stone when I used to work as a field service engineer and driving around the country, I used to, I used to watch for as I was driving by because all you know you'll find the signpost saying such and such is over there, and I would uh, decide to take my lunch there and go and investigate the, the ancient monuments and even commune with them, uh, because you're communing with your own ancestors. There's something paranormal about it. But it's comfortable. It's a comfort comforting thing. It's not a frightening thing. I would go to these standing stones. Sit there and have my sandwiches. I mean, I mean, and they could be quite remote. I never felt afraid or anything like that. I mean, okay, I'm an adult, but you know, you still feel fear or whatever, something you think is a bit creepy. But never, never once. I always felt quite comfortable. And if there was anything spiritual about it, I felt welcomed. Is it supernatural? I don't know. And that it's like uh, it's like an acceptance. There's places there, uh, you know, in Scotland and Ireland, where um, that there are things as old, older than the pyramids, for God's sake. This is, you know, you don't. People talk about having to travel as far as Egypt or whatever to see, or India, which I'd love to do someday. Not knocking that, that's fantastic places. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, right in your own doorstep, uh, you know, and I, what, what got, always impressed me as a young person is I could go up and touch her, and touch something that my ancestors put there 5,000 years ago. It's just insane. You know, I've, uh, I'm very open minded when it comes to ghosts and things like that. Um, do I believe in them? And demons. And demons. And I think I probably do. It's just I'm undecided. And saying that, I've had some experiences uh, in my parents' uh, current house. I, I, you know, I've uh, had some weird things there. Very weird. Very weird. Always the same situation. When I was uh, alone in the house. Probably the most frightening experience I had when I I was sleeping upstairs and I came downstairs into the kitchen because I was aware of uh, something untoward going on that woke me. So this is the middle of the night and I looked over at the looked around the kitchen and I looked at the window first and uh, there was. I could see the lights outside streaming in, you know, they come in through the window blind. 
that's why I can honestly say, I mean, everyone said, oh, you're probably asleep. No, I wasn't asleep. I'm watching the window. I'm looking at the window and noting the light coming through the window blinds. And I looked over at the kitchen sink and uh, what I thought there was like, just weird. There was like a woman's dress there, like an old fashioned dress that was black with white, white trims on the, the wrist here and a white trim on the collar, like an old fashioned thing. And, uh, but where there should have been a head, there was just darkness. And that terrified me. <laughs> I didn't hang around to talk to her. I was going upstairs and uh, just barricaded myself in the room upstairs and stayed there. I stayed awake all night. I did not sleep. And then in the morning, I got up and I got in the car and I went for a drive to to my sister's house because I just wasn't even going to... And I thought, oh my God, that was that was one terrifying thing. Then there's a, a couple of other instances when I was asleep in my room which is downstairs, uh, I woke up one night, where rather, I was aware, you know, people talk about um, night terrors or uh, whatever, and I had this thing trying to suffocate me, and I, this thing was on me, the weight of it, and I forced my head to the right, like this, this is, am I dreaming? Is this, I mean, this is, this is something that is so written into history, such a thing, as night terrors, or the story of the, the Jewish demon Lilith, if you want to look that up, um, she, you know, this is like uh, such an old, old, histo even historical thing. Is it is it a psychological condition? Is it a part of sleep paralysis, or or are you actually being invisited by a demon? And I I believe that the weight of this thing on me was what I remember, and I was able to force my head to the right. And then get up very fast and put the light on. It was gone, obviously. I was uh, another time in that room. I've had several experiences in that room. But another time I was, uh, I left the room and I was going up. I had to go, you have to go up a small staircase to a, to a small landing there. And there's a door, cupboard door, which, 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 which was a strange door. Because, you, you know, you had to actually physically pull it across the pile in the carpet to open it. Well, it, it wouldn't just open by itself, you know, it's difficult to do this. But this night, in the pitch black, there I am, walking up the staircase, and all I heard was, <laughs> oh my God. And what, the, what it was, was it was the door of the cupboard to decided just to open itself right like that, like saying, come in. And this is the, the creepy thing. When that cupboard door is fully blocked, it blocks your access to the staircase. Up there, oh my God. So very calmly i just put the light on and closed the door and went about my business uh but uh but uh, i did an exorcism on that house um i never had any experiences after that Luckily enough when 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 i came to houston to live i was uh we were living in an apartment in the beginning and uh i you know i was in the shower and i heard my voice being said from the other room this was this was a weird one a lady woman's voice saying my name from the next room um that was one of my a couple of creepy experiences in that apartment and uh i don't want to disturb the rest of the people who are living there uh so i just my wife and my mother-in-law so i just kept my mouth shut about it but uh there was one or two instances and i'd, I'd 
when I had the place to myself, I did an exorcism on that that house also. We had to live there a bit longer. Never had any issues in this house, uh, despite the fact it was owned by a family called Crowley. <laughs> so <laughs> this is incredibly true. Uh, so, uh, so this is uh, this is pretty safe. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, the the person that the lady that lived here told us it was the ghost of an old lady and maybe a ghost cat in this house. Maybe the cats. I think I might have saw the cat or been been aware of it. We keep cats. But uh, I, I, our cats were safely locked up in the west wing and up here on the landing. I'm pretty sure I saw a cat one night moving ahead of me. Uh, it's just, just, you know, it's something that catches the corner of your eye and, you know, you're like this. And it was like a sweeping thing in the dark. I was aware of something cat-sized moving very fast. Um, other than that, no, no big uh, worries. No strange noise in the night. That's a, I think uh, I feel very comfortable in this house. I, I think uh, my own belief is if you keep cats, you don't get ghosts. Cats and ghosts don't get on. But uh, but do I believe in ghosts? I don't know. Now, I I had a, a weird experience in Scotland one time where we we were up late. Uh, me and my friends. Back then, I was about 19. We were in a pub, so a little bit drunk, and uh, we came back. But it was a very misty evening, and it was a beautiful, beautiful night with uh, the mist and the moonlight. And when you get out of the cities to the small towns, you know, on your outskirts of the small town, it can really, you can really experience real darkness, which is beautiful, starry nights. But in this case, there was no, it wasn't a starry night, it was a misty night. And uh, the the moon was, I think it might have been a full moon, um, gave uh, luminance to the to the mist. And uh, and I was with uh, someone else, we, me and this guy. We were walking home, and the other guys had found their houses, and we were getting back to our bit. And as we got out there, I said to him, I don't recognise that house. There was a white cottage, and he said... I don't know what that is, and uh, we just we kind of looked at it for a while and just stood there and uh, left. And I actually wrote a cottage. I wrote a short story about it afterwards. The white cottage, and I based it on a Sony Bean type thing, but it wasn't much of a story. So I don't. I think it lived on the internet for a bit. I never really published it or anything. So it's one of those stories, but it was. Uh, that was a weird experience, and that was a shared thing with someone else. And uh, he, uh, the guy next day, this guy's name was Jim, incidentally. And the next day, he came down to well, to my place. He said to me, "You want to go look for that? I want to know what the hell that was last night." And I says, "Okay." And we'd we'd see we'd walked a bit further than we used to do. We just enjoying the the mist and the moonlight. It was a weird. Thing, these drunk 19 year olds let's think about this so he said to me yeah, I want to go look and we looked and looked and we, we couldn't find anything like it it was just like an old fashioned white cottage in a place that it shouldn't have been you see some strange things in the night the windows were black this is what made it weird just black windows we didn't get too close <laughs> is that no is that supernatural i don't know 
I don't know, it's one of those things. There's a lot of things in Scotland that can really um, make you wonder. And another time, I just uh, myself this time, I saw where this guy used to keep a goat. A goat of all things. Maybe I saw the goat of Mendez. I'm not quite sure, but it was under, there's an old abandoned railway. It's not a railway now, it's more turned into, there's no like tracks or anything, it's just a walkway. And uh, I was there in the pitch black, and as I walked along, trying to get home, I looked up onto where the bridge used to be, and uh, I saw what looked like two red eyes. And I thought, well, I don't think that's the goat. <laughs> so, <laughs> goat of Mendes, maybe. Uh, so that's, that's how it was. I mean, that's just... But uh, it was a fascinating place. Uh, we used to have... There used to be a, a local... Well, to be honest to you, she was the, the aunt of the, the local nobility, so an old lady called Grizzle. And the kids said she was a witch. Now this is a local local knob, basically. And I, I saw her when I was a little little boy. I was, oh, I was about 11, 12. <clears throat> and what I was doing was I was uh, just myself on a little private road, and I was looking over the road, watching the lambs of all things in those little trees and when I stepped down she she appeared. It's the only time I ever saw old Grizzle. Griselda her name was. Which is a witchy name if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Griselda Hamilton, there you are. But old Grizzle they called her and it, I looked on the road and there was this uh, bicycle coming down it. A totally black bicycle, like hand painted and an old lady on it wearing a costume that was like you know, I don't know, like Victorian it would she had a black hat on and a big black guy. And I just not the kind of thing you'd wear on a bicycle. Um, she, I was petrified because I was a little kid. And when she got to me, though, she said, Good morning! <laughs> which, <laughs> which was nice. And I, So I told people I'd, I'd seen old Grizzle. Now, old Grizzle died, oddly enough. And my brother said to me, Let's go up and we'll investigate old Grizzle's garden, you know. And I thought, that's not such a good idea. But, uh, you know, we decided to do it. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like 12 <laughs> and we went to old grizzle's garden and we found some bizarre things you know she had these little uh pots you know like uh almost like witch's cauldrons and what was in them was polished stones <laughs> she obviously did these polished stone things and it was quite incredible some of it there was beautiful little shiny rocks well, what we also found was some bizarre things down the back, uh, which, you know, we had to watch where you, after that, you got a bit petrified where to put our feet because she had all kinds of, like, you know, gin traps, but she had bigger than just a little trap. She had the big trap. Was that for a deer or was that for a human being? I don't know. It was just kind of creepy, creepy old lady. Well, certainly she, she was a, was she a spay wife? I think she probably was. Uh, my sister... And she was very young. Her and her friends went there to <laughs> to, to steal apples. It was an apple orchard. And old Grizzle appeared. And she chased them with a broom of all things. But when she got to uh, those little ditch, she, she, she vaulted it. Hmm. She vaulted the ditch. And came after them. And uh, they ran. Naturally. <laughs> it's uh, this crazy old witchy lady... Don't, you know, you don't want to go stealing her apples. Um, 
there was a there was a great apples uh, i used to do that myself but we had a way of getting to them without going on the land because there was a there were you know her fence ended and the 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 uh, the apple trees spread over there was also an incredible plum tree spread over onto practically the, the road and me and my friends would go down that road there we're right up in the grass verge you know, helping ourselves to her apples, which were, you know, we considered they were like, you know, uh, a, a lot of them actually fell down as well. You got windfall, you know, the wind would blow them down onto the road, and we'd get, eat a lot of apples and uh, things like that. But she was creepy. But hey, you know, ghosts and things. Hmm. Yeah, the jury's out on that one. I've, uh, I've written some short stories in the past, and I'm beginning to think I should write them again because uh, some of it is from my own experiences. Does that make sense? Part of uh, British folklore. Is it real or is it? You know, is it, is it something you've grown up with? Is it? I mean, how can you? You can. It's it's like I think people are more likely to believe in these things. Uh, if you grew up in a small t country town or whatever, where there's some things that are just, like, uh, unexplainable. And the funny thing about unexplainable things is we just carry on, don't we? Well, you know, you come across something, something uncanny or out the ordinary. You just carry on. I mean, we used to, me and my friends used to go to a private cemetery, local landlord, local uh, nobility, frankly. He... He owned that. That was where all his people were interred. And we'd go in there after dark and tell ghost stories. And that was terrifying, I can assure you. Um, and uh, there were all kinds of crazy people in there. And there, But that wasn't the worst one. There was a, there's a cemetery. I did write a ghost story about, about one of them. It was a cemetery on the River Teeth near Calendar. And that thing actually has plague victims in it, for God's sake. A creepy, creepy, creepy place. And uh, even in the middle of the day, there's something untoward about it. There's a little muddy track to it. And that's where the, the pony and trap with the corpses, you know, the coffin would come back in the past. So quite a creepy place when you look at it. You think, yeah, you know. And I, I saw that place uh, very strange. I, one time it was uh, uh, moonlight. I had to walk past it, and the dumb thing felt, was it, to me, the way the stone's grey silver walls are, they were almost illuminated. Doesn't get more creepy than that. There's a, a famous Gallic poet buried in there also. I've only been there a couple of times since then. It was, I always found the place quite unsettling. It was, uh, it was unsettling. But I did actually write, as I say, a ghost story about that. Um, but you know, there's a, there's, a, there's something something uncanny about you know, and the, sadly, the older generation have passed or are passing, and they're taking a lot of uh, old stories with them. No one writes them down. No one ever. No one cared to. Certainly, my grandparents had an incredible. Bunch of stories and folklore, which I, I mean, I only I, I'm kind of into the paranormal, and I'm kind of into 
vegan lifestyle. But I, I can only hope to relearn some of the things my grandmother knew. It's all gone.